the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Come with me to Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. Then he said to them, follow me and I will. Follow me and I will make you. May the Lord make you. Nobody follows God and remains the way he is. You may start following God in a particular way. But by the time you are through following and following faithfully. You don't even have to be through following. By the time you commit yourself to faithful followership. Something will be changing in your life. In fact, even normal human beings, when you follow them, when you follow somebody who is a smoker, sooner or later you begin to smoke. So there's a change that is happening in your life. You didn't start out as a smoker, but following a diligent, a dedicated, a committed smoker, you have started smoking. So something has changed in your life, albeit in the negative. Much more when we follow God. When we follow God, positive changes happen in our lives. That's why we need to learn how to follow him and follow him well. So, that's it. He says, follow me and I will make you. And Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Be therefore followers of God. He said, be therefore followers of God. Somebody say, be you followers of God. As what? Dear children, be you followers of God. And we said that we are not only called to just follow God. We are called to follow our leader. We are called to follow our church. We are called to follow good things. We are called to follow many other things. And today you want to look at another thing that we are called to follow. Not one of the things we are called to follow, but how we ought to follow. So there are things and there are people we are called to follow. And there is a way we are expected to follow. Somebody said, there is a way I am expected to follow. Okay, so we are reading 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 6, and Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 13. Likewise, ye younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you. Somebody say, all of you. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Somebody say, be clothed with humility. When you have a cloth, or a dress that you like so much. Most of the time, you find yourself wearing it to every important occasion. Sometimes, you just wear it. If you are looking for a particular... That's the first one that comes to your mind. You have an invitation for a function. That's the first because you love it. You like it. I remember last week, there about... Mommy picked one of Asher's dresses and she cut it into pieces and it was war in the house. And something he's been wearing for some time and it's due for change. But he has so fallen in love with the thing that parting with it was a difficulty. So at the end, some apology had to go and exchange. Charlie, it wasn't easy in the house at all. Yeah, when you have something that you value, you always want to wear it. Always want to wear it. 
Sometimes it's not that somebody has just one cloth. It's just that he loves that cloth. Just likes the outfit or the material and so he keeps on wearing it. The Bible says there are clothes we must put on. One of them is humility. If you're a child of God, there is a garment you must wear at all times. It must be seen on you at all times. If you're a Christian, you are one who is one indeed. One who is a true follower. You need to wear the garment of humility. When people encounter you, among many things that you see about you, feel about you, experience about you, is the death of your humility. That is a mark of godliness. It's a mark of Christ-likeness. Look at what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 13. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself. Somebody say, you must. Clothe yourselves with what? Tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13. He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Somebody say, clothe yourself. Now, you see, the dress you are in today, I didn't choose it for you. Sometimes if you have a spouse, you may, want to, uh, you may want her to help you to decide on something. But by and large, it's your choice. Sometimes I ask mommy to help me, and when he has, she has finished, I still go back and choose something, and she gets angry. But you see, the bottom line is that it's my choice. I can invite you to help me, but it's my choice. And it has to be respected as such. I'm not communicating here. Your input may be sought, but I'm not bound by your input. Alright, so you have to clothe yourself. The Bible says, clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. Humility is one of the most important marks of a true follower. If you are going to be a follower, you have to learn to be humble. You have to embrace humility as a lifestyle. You know, Jesus had to come to the earth and follow his father for us to see how following the father is. How following the Father looks like. How possible it is for a human being to follow God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to give us an example. And when he came, one of the things he did was to come with a mind of humility. With a mind of what? Yeah, because it is to establish the foundation that without humility, you can't follow. That's why the Bible said, let this mind be in you. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, taught it no robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient. That is the only way by which you could follow his father to the point of death. When he came into the garden, I was choosing, should he go ahead and die or should he not? It was a humility. It was a humbling experience. Will he stick with his guns? Will he stay on his own reel, on his own track? Or he will choose his father's will above that. That was humility. What took Jesus to the cross is not just love. Humility was part. What took Jesus to the cross was not just obedience. Humility was a part. It takes humility to obey. Am I communicating here? It's take humility. Many people can't obey what they have been taught. Many people can't obey the instructions they have been given from leadership. Many people can't simply be, uh, be, be, uh, obey because they are not humble. They feel that their way is right. They feel that they know what to do. They feel that nobody can make an input into their lives. So they live their lives the way they want it. And that is how arrogant people live. We said that humility is important for followership. Humility is important for fellowship. 
Somebody say fellowship. fellowship. And this thing called fellowship will come back to work it. We will come back to work this fellowship thing because it is so critical. A lot of people are missing out on the blessing of being in church because they don't know how to fellowship. So it takes humility to stay in fellowship one with another. He did uh, five uncommon attributes of a humble follower. One, a humble follower thinks soberly of himself. Number two, a humble follower is submissive to every God-ordained authority in his life. Somebody say God-ordained authority. In his life. Yeah. Nobody is an authority unto himself. Please note that. Nobody is an authority unto himself. The moment you begin to see yourself as an ultimate authority or as an authority unto yourself, your doomsday is very close. Your failure and destruction is very close. The Bible says, a haughty spirit goes before a fall. And before honor is humility. If you must rise, you rise through humility. Not in arrogance, pomposity, and pride. Look at what the Bible says. Uh, again, number three, he says, a humble follower is willing to serve and do menial jobs regardless of their position or status in life. A humble person is not ashamed to do menial jobs. If he has to do it, he will do it. He will not pay somebody to do it when he has to do it. It's so critical that we appreciate this. A humble person follower does menial jobs. He is not ashamed to do it. He doesn't feel that he's too high to do it. In fact, the feeling that you are too high to do it is what uh, authenticates the genuineness of your pride. It is a sure sign that you are proud. The fact that you, you are even thinking that something is above you, particularly when it relates to kingdom. All right, number four. A humble follower receives correction and godly counsel with the right attitude. Somebody say a humble follower receives correction and godly counsel with what? The right attitude. Number five, he talked about a humble follower is not easily offended and easy let go of offense whenever it comes. A humble follower is not easily offended. Ask your neighbor, are you easily offended? And then secondly, do you easily let go of offense? Yeah, these two, if you don't learn to do these two things, you will never enjoy your life. You can never maintain relationships, whether with your wife or with people in church or with people at your work. These two. One is to learn not to become easily offended. Don't easily take offense with things. And then number two, easily learn to let go of offense. The Bible said, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. It's even possible to live a life where there are no offenses. You, you don't feel offended at all. You live above offenses. If you want to be happy in your marriage, don't take offense. If you want to be happy in church, don't take offense. If you want to be happy on your job, don't take offense. Then easily let it go because it is a sure banker. It will come. Yeah, it's a sure banker. It is one lotto number. If you want to dial, you can be sure that you win. It's, it will come. If it has not come, is because maybe you have not gotten to the level where you to come, but it will come. From family, from friends, from church people, even from amongst us as pastors, it will come. So when it comes, your mind must be ready to let go. That's it. My mind is ready to forgive anybody, no matter what the person does. And so I say I live in advanced forgiveness because I know that forgiveness will soon be needed by myself or by someone by close of day. I'm not communicating here. So why have it? Some of you are carrying sicknesses that the demons didn't give you, Satan didn't give you, a palpitation, you, you check your pressure and everything, and it's nothing. The ultimate cause is offense, but you are not even humble enough to admit that you're offended. 
Yeah, because that's where it's at from. Sometimes they, they will rather, rather than accept it, they will shift the blame. They will put the blame on something else. Last week on Wednesday, I began to continue that and we looked at three more reasons why it's critical we embrace, we clothe ourselves. Somebody say, clothe yourself with humility. And I was talking about three important reasons why you must wear the garment of humility. Wear it yourself. Number one, we said it's a foundation. Somebody say it's a foundation. Humility is a foundation. If you don't have that foundation, greatness is not your portion in Christ. If you must rise in the kingdom of God, humility must be your garment. It's a foundation. We have been dealing from January till until somewhere Easter time. We were looking at foundations you can build on. And we have not finished that. We'll come back to it. But humility is such a sure foundation. Somebody say it's a sure foundation. In the book of Proverbs 18, 12, he said, before destruction, look at this. This is why you see a foundation. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. But humility comes before honor. It comes before what? It comes before honor. It comes before honor. Proverbs 15, 33, the same thing is repeated. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Somebody say, it comes before it. Say it aloud, it comes before it. Not after it. Yeah, it comes before it. Don't demand honor when you have not learned to be humble. Don't go to a place, break all the expected protocols there. When you finish, say, you must love me. After all, this is a house of love. No, 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 no. There is also a house of order. Are you here with me? So it's not just a house of love. The Bible says love does not behave itself disorderly. Love behaves itself in a worthy manner. So it's key. Before honor is humility. You don't paint a building at the foundation stage. It is before you paint, you must plaster. No, so. Yeah, that's what you do. You plaster the building. You do all the... Uh, nowadays, you may not even have to do full tiling. But sometimes you do the tiling and finish. Sometimes they do the first coat before tiling. So that when they finish, it becomes... Yeah, there are things you must do before. Don't put that one that must be done first, last. When you do that, we call it misplaced priorities. And those who misplace their priorities never go far in life. Like, for instance... Kingdom of God must come before your personal pursuit and desires. Your tithe must come out of your income before every other expenses is engaged in. When you are honoring God, that's what you do. Before honor is humility. You don't spend everything and say, ah, I, I, I just really, hey, send me crime into your tithe. You see, you don't know how to honor God. Are you here with me? Before honor is humility. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. This is what Jesus said, Mark 9. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, they asked him, what were you discussing on the way? He asked them, what were you discussing on the way? This is what they said. But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who is the greatest, who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, if anyone will be first, in other words, if anyone will be great, he must be the last of all and servant of all. Somebody say, before honor, honor. is humility. Yeah, if God must make you great, it starts from being the servant of all. And that is the choice that many people don't make. Everybody makes a choice to be great. Ask your children, what do you want to become? And they, they tell you all exotic positions in life. All exotic. Give them how chores to do and they are complaining. 
Because they don't know that the pathway to becoming that exotic person begins with uh, doing uh, uh, household chores. Because if you have not learned to serve, whatever position you are looking for is just for showmanship. That's why children usually like to point to celebrity status stars as people they want to become. You ask them, what do they want to become? Then they mention somebody who is always a celebrity. Because that's all they see. Okay, number four. Humility is important because it makes you God's favorite. Somebody say it makes you God's favorite. How many of you want to be God's favorite? You see, you are loved by God in a generic sense. Before and after you got born again, God loved you and after all of that. That is a generic love of God. But you see, God also takes great delight in those who after he has saved them, they commit themselves to advancing his cause. He takes special interest in them. There are things that Paul suffered and he didn't die. Other people were exposed, were not even exposed to the least of them and they died. They died because they were not of such great value to God. They were not of such great value to God. And all of us, there is what you can do to become God's favorite. There is. After you are saved, I'm not talking about doing something to win God's favor and get saved, no. But after you are saved, there are things you can do so that consistently your life becomes a supernatural life and people can't explain it because you are living after a supernatural order. Can somebody give me an amen? amen. And that, that is clearly stated out in the scripture. One of the things you must walk in, if you are saved, but you don't regard God, you don't walk in humility, you are not likely to be God's favorite. Look at what the Bible says. Isaiah 66, verse 2. He said, I made everything. That's how it all came to be. Somebody say, things did not just happen. God made them. Yeah, if you go to the West and you read their materials, they are increasingly, they've increasingly become anti-God. And they are finding reasons to explain why God is not, God does not, does not need to be worshipped. He doesn't exist. And you see, in, in that great effort to uh, deny God's existence and God's, they just expose themselves, they expose to the whole universe the magnitude of their foolishness and madness. Because if something does not exist, you don't waste your time trying to disprove it. It doesn't exist and that's it. So if you are trying seriously propounding theories upon theories, just to establish that God does not exist, that in itself is an admission that he exists. He exists. That's why you are trying to disprove him. That's what the Bible says in the book of Psalms. Psalm 14 verse 1, Psalm 53 verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Look at what the Bible says. He says, I stay. Go give me that text where we were. 66. Isaiah 66. I made everything. That's how it all came to be. I, the Lord, have spoken. The people I treasure most. Look at that with me, please. The people I treasure most are what? The humble. They depend only on me and tremble when I speak. The humble are the people God treasures most. And when God treasures you most, last Wednesday we saw it. When God treasures you most, even people's gossip about you in their closet, God takes action on it. I always pity people who are busy trying to kill their enemies. Because some of them, you don't even know them. The people who appear to be your enemies, they may not be your real enemies. They are just a small microsome of the wild enemies you have you don't know. But you are busy worrying yourself about them. The most important thing is it, People struggle in life because they live the most important thing and they pursue the less important. Why should I waste my energy and prayer and fighting demons? 
fighting witches. I heard somebody who is trying to explain me witchcraft. What is witchcraft? Live above witches and wizards. He said, you want to explain, understand them. Understand what about them? You have been given power far above principalities and powers. He said, witchcraft. You see, when you... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. People struggle because they don't know what is important. They don't know it. And they are so ignorant that when they get exposed to the truth, they will not embrace it in humility. They will rather challenge it. They will challenge the truth and be running away from it. But nobody can help you like that. This is what the Bible says. There's a person God treasures. That person is not arrogant. He's a person who is humble. And may the grace and may the spirit of humility come upon all of us. May you grow in humility. The Bible says six. Proverbs 6, 16 to 17. He said, these things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. God is talking about things he doesn't like. If you are going to have friendship with anyone and become the person's favorite, it is wisdom to find out what they like and what they don't like. You know be so? You know be so? Yeah, and God reveals to us things he doesn't like in the Old and in the New Testament. Is there. He says, walk in the spirit and he shall not fulfill the last of the flesh. And he tells you the last of the flesh. All, everything that has to do with the last of the flesh, God doesn't like. And pride is one of such. In the book of Proverbs, he's telling people, these are the things I hate. And it starts with a proud look. Why pride? Because pride is the first sin. The first sin that actually birthed the owner and the father of sin was pride. Pride started from Satan's heart. That's why when pride eats you up, you are manifesting Satan practically on the earth. The Bible said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft because the moment you begin to walk in pride, you have just become like Satan. May we not be Satans in this life. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a great blessing to be God's favorite. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Let me show you what happened to this man. Abraham was called a friend of God. How many of you remember that? He was called a friend of God. Abraham was not operating under law. And under grace, he was called the friend of God. By faith. Faith was in the heart of Abraham. He was called a friend of God. And if you look at Abraham as God's friend, you see intimacy. Why God made him favorite. Genesis 18, 17 to 20. The Bible said, shall I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. If you are the taboo is every day looking for somebody to tell you your future, what will happen, who you will marry, all of those things, you are, you are not minding the most important thing. Why do you need somebody to tell you that this is the way to go? That you are made people, prophets who don't want to lie, you are forcing them to lie. Because they must tell you something by all means. Yeah, they must tell you something. And I mean, the liars are quite a lot nowadays. So they will tell you something because your ears want to hear something. But when you are God's favorite, you don't need a prophet to tell you things. God comes to you. Shall I hide what I'm about to do in this family from him? I need to communicate to him. So he will come to you in a dream. He will come to you through the word of God. He will come to you. Somewhere, somehow, God will always get to the people. I have said it again. If you are connected, spirit alive and spirit connected, nothing evil happens around you without you first knowing it. You don't need anybody. You will know it. You will pick it by the spirit some way, somehow. God communicates to us. What? This, this was not something that was directly related to Abraham, but God said, I will not hide it from him. Because Abraham's cousin was connected some way, somehow. So I will not hide it. I want to tell him about it. Shall I hide it? He said, no. God said, no. 
For Abraham will certainly become great. He's going to command. He will follow all the things I will tell him. If I tell Abraham, wake up at 12 midnight. Pray for that your uncle in UK. Abraham will not say the weather is so cold. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sleep. I'll wake up later and do it. Abraham will rise up and pray. So I will communicate to him. You want to hear the voice of God? Learn to tame your tongue. Anything you are told, you are in a hurry to tell somebody else, even if the person doesn't need to hear. Am I communicating here? That's Abraham. Now Moses' case is a, is a case that we read on Wednesday. He, he, these sisters came up, his sister and elder brother, they came up and said, this is our Moses, our younger brother, he's becoming something else. Let's call him to order. How can he be violating all family values and principles? And no, even what God's word has said, he's not working with it. We need to teach him a lesson. We should let him know that he's a small boy. Be careful how you manage yourself around anointed and humble people. Be careful. Be careful. Because while you are busy plotting their failure and downfall, God is busy about to sort you out. And he will sort you out in a very negative way. Look at that. He said, now when they were at Hazard, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us? Two, but the Lord heard them. Now Moses was very humble. Give me verse three. Moses was very humble. More than any person on the earth. That's why God came through for him. We are not told Moses was prayerful. We are not told Moses was binding and losing. We are not told Moses was doing anything except that he was humble. Humble means he depended only on God. He didn't depend on his intellect. He didn't depend on his resources. He didn't depend on his uh, scholastic achievement. But his sole dependence was on God. He depended on God. That's why when people attack him in his absence, because the truth of the matter is that Dickendakon, people will always attack you in your absence. There are people who are speaking behind your back. They say backbiting. When you are not there. And so you always want to rely on somebody who is, and you will not always be there. Am I communicating here? You are not omnipresent, but God is. And so when you become his favorite and he is everywhere, at any one point in time, if Abimelech seizes your wife and wants to mess her up, God will show up in the bedroom of Abimelech. While you are somewhere, God will address Abimelech. Say, Abimelech, you have gone too far. This one is Abraham, my friend's wife, and you dare not touch him. I'm not communicating here at all. Listen, there's a better way to live your life. That this plane level where we are made which is so powerful around us. Demons are powerful. You do all night and you are not praying for the salvation of souls. You are not praying for the growth of the church. You are praying to man one witch. One single witch who is of no relevance at all as far as your life is concerned. Because you are you have relinquished your power to the devil. I hate to see that. All power in heaven is given unto me and I have given it to you. That's the kind of power you carry. But because you are walking in ignorance. You are walking in ignorance and people who have no place having something to do in ministry are very busy calling themselves pastors and prophets because we have relinquished our powers to them. The power God gave you, you are not using, you have relinquished it to somebody. Your power to hear from God yourself, you've relinquished it. Power to lay hands, you've relinquished it. I see that dynamics changing in the church. Amen. I see you live your full life here. Amen. Can somebody give me a believing amen? amen. That's it. Immediately, verse 4, the Bible says, as soon as they finished the meeting, look at this. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, go out of the tabernacle. As soon as they finished the meeting, Moses was not there, but God came in. said, the three of you come, Moses. 
Moses said, ah, I don't know what's going on. He said, Moses, just come. He met them. He said, hey, what were you talking about? He met the three of them. He said, now Aaron and Miriam repeat to the hearing of your brother what you were saying. The discussions that have gone on repeated to his hearing. And when they finished, Moses was just full of compassion. You know, people who are humble like that, they don't also are not ready for judgment. While you are trying to destroy them, they are praying for your relief. That is how they stay alive and they stay prosperous. I'm not communicating here. Listen, when you walk in love, you always win. When you walk in love, you always win. You always win. You always win. You will not pray as much, but you win. You will not fast as much, but you win. Love is the greatest of all. When you walk in enmity, cursing, all of those things, listen, the number one person who gets affected most by a life of cursing is the person cursing. Is a person who is walking in enmity. That's the person who gets affected most. I'm not communicating here. Immediately, God came, called them out. Verse 5. Look at this. Now the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood in the entrance. And Aaron and Miriam came. They stepped forward. Look at verse number. The Lord said to them, listen to me. Ah, yeah, yeah. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to him in visions. I will speak to them in dreams. Not with my servant Moses of all my house. He's the one I trust. Yeah, that's God's testimony. He's the one I trust. The one who has gone to marry the one who he's not supposed to marry is the one God trusts. One of the attributes of a humble person is that he doesn't exercise himself in matters too higher than him. You have to, in life, understand that there are matters that are above you. There are matters that are what? Above you. There are matters that are above you. As a pastor, when somebody brings a matter and it's above me, I have to look around me. Who? Can handle it. Can the elder step in? Can somebody who is senior to me in the ministry step in? Because sometimes people just destroy themselves by exercising themselves in matters way above their level. Above their level. Who are you to judge another man's servant? Do you remember David? David was another favorite. He was called a man after God's own heart. David. His heart was burning. And he said, I'm going to build a house for you. God says, no, 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 no. I don't need you to build a house for me. Your hands are full of blood, David said. I love you too much. If I won't build, I will budget for it. And so he made preparation, extensive preparation for the building. And this man, one day Satan seized his heart and he messed up. And when he messed up, God says something to let us know that when a person's heart is toward God, when a person is connected and yielded to God, there is no telling. When Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Today, I saw it in the life of David. I saw it. I saw, look at it. Yeah, you see it yourself. Let me show it to you. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. This is God speaking about David. But Nathan said to David, you are the man. After he used the parable and everything, he said, the God of Israel says, I anointed you. Please follow this reading closely. Because everything he says about David, can, the same can be said of us today. I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. Saul was almost like the devil of David's day. And we have been anointed with the Holy Ghost. We have been saved from the power of Satan. Now look at verse 8. I gave you, I gave you, I anointed, I gave your master's house. And his wives, take note of wives, and the kingdoms of Israel and of Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much more. Given you much, much more. Can you see that? Much, much more. When you make God first, when his kingdom becomes your priority, as a lifestyle, he gives you much, much more. 
Much, much more. You don't pray for them. I have told you and I will keep on saying, the best things that happen to me, I don't pray about them. They just happen. They happen. I don't pray about them. I don't fast about them. I have done all sorts of fasting from 20 days to 12 days, whatever. But 120 days, it doesn't mean anything. I do those things to increase my intimacy with God, my affection for God, and my dedication to his people. That's all. I have never gone on a long fast for sickness, gone on a long fast for a child, gone for, a, for myself, I mean, go for a long fast. I've done it for other people, but never for myself. Why? Because when you become preoccupied with him, and you become so important to him, he finds a way to keep you life. Who wants to hire a most valuable worker? Who wants to hire? Who wants a most valuable worker to fall sick? Who wants a most valuable worker to be transferred? When they are transferring you, no matter what is happening, your boss who oversees your work will do everything to keep you because he needs you. I'm not communicating here. Now, we are doing all of that in our earthly engagement. Are we doing so for the kingdom of God? You see, there's a way you manage your life. When death is looking to transfer you from here into the heavenly kingdom, God says his time is not up. Keep him here. I need him here. One more soul will be saved. The church will be a better place. One pastor somewhere will be encouraged. One man of God somewhere will be supported by the continuous existence of this one. But there are some people, when even a fly flies around them, they are gone. Because they are not of value. Am I communicating here? I'm talking to you about humility. That's what I'm teaching on. Humility. So number one is for followership. Two is fellowship. Three is what? Foundation for greatness. Four is favorite. It makes you God's favorite. And then the worst, <laughs> the last and the worst is that when you walk in arrogance, you set yourself up to invite frustration into your life. So God frustrates the humble. The Bible says God resists the proud. Those who are arrogant. You go business, it doesn't work. You do this, it doesn't work. Marriage is not working. Nothing begins to work around you. Even if it works, it works only for a short time and then you come back to square one. Because God himself, he sets you, in fact, the actual translation, the rendition means that God sets him up to fight you. If Satan fights you, you call on God. If men fight you, you call on God. If God fights you, who do you call upon? And that is what he does. He personally resists the proud. What are the attributes of humility? One, a humble follower. But a humble follower, number one, receives God's word with meekness. He receives God's word with meekness. Ask your neighbor, how do you receive God's word? They do it with meekness. Meekness, meekness, meekness. That is one of the major attributes of a humble follower. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, James 1, 21, he says, laying aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, let us receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save us. So somebody say, receive with meekness. Receive. Say, receive with meekness. Receive. Say, receive with meekness. Yeah, receive with meekness. Receive with meekness. Let me tell you something today. What the word of God can accomplish in your life is largely dependent on your reception and what you do with the word. That's it. Largely. How you receive the word and what you do with the word. And by all probability, how you receive it will affect what you do with it. When you receive it with disobedience and rebellion, you won't put it to work and you see results. When you receive it with meekness, you will act on it and you will see results. I'm not communicating here. So when people are in church and things are going a particular way for them, don't think. I, I always tell people, Africans in general, if you meet an African struggling in any area, 
Among many questions you must ask is the question of responsibility. Because most Africans are struggling because they will not accept responsibility. He has found somebody to comfortably blame. And when you blame someone, when you find someone to blame, you have ultimately lamed your destiny. The cheapest way to lame your destiny is to blame someone for your life. And people blame all manner. If it's not government, it's a political party. If it's not a political party, it's their mother. They didn't help them. If it's not their mother, it's their wife. That is it. Before prayer, ask for responsibility. A man sat by one place. One place. He sat there for 38 years. One person. And when Jesus came, he said, would you be made whole? He said, I have no man. That's a blame game mentality. I have no man. 38 years. Sat at one place. I have no man. Meekness is key. Meekness. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2, he says, verse 2 in particular, For all those things my hand has made, and all those things as he says the Lord, but on this one will I look, on one, on him who is poor, a poor and of a contrite spirit, and he who trembles at my when the word of God comes with conviction, do you tremble at it or you just flash it aside? All of this thing, seeky first thing, pastor is just, he's just trying to move us to do something. You see, that, that's your attitude. And your struggles are guaranteed to continue. It, it is not. It's not a, no demon can fight it. I showed you a scripture here a couple of weeks ago where the Bible says you will revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So you find a woman who will not respect her husband, doesn't have regard for the husband, does not defer to the husband, does not submit to the husband, and she's binding a witch that is fighting the home. Can I announce to that woman that the witch in the home is nobody else but you? You are that witch in the home. You are that witch who is manifesting rebellion in the home. You are that witch. You are a perfect example of who a witch is. You can't set God's word aside. Listen, if you have any good thing to do, do it after you have done what God said you should do. <laughs> Am I communicating here? If you think your ideas are smart, shelve them. Do what God tells you to do. After that, you can look at your ideas. If you still want to go ahead with them, go ahead with them. But don't set God's word aside and think that things will work. Things don't work outside the word. Do you hear what I'm saying? Say, things don't work outside the word. Say it yourself. And don't come to church expecting to hear a message that will tickle your fancy. That's not why we are here. That's not why we are here. And this is one of those wrong churches to be in expect that you will just be pumped into self-destruction. No, 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 no. We will teach you the word of God to sit up, rise up, and fulfill your destiny. I'm not communicating somebody here. I'm not going to sit here, pamper you to self-destruct. No. I have a day of accountability that is coming and I take that day of accountability so seriously that I cannot look at your face and let it intimidate me from doing what God will have me to. Am I communicating here? 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 to 17. Hear what the word of God says. 2 Timothy. And this is where he said all scripture is all scripture. Somebody say all scripture. Uh, so when you come here and I pick the microphone, I'm teaching on prosperity, all scripture. When I'm teaching on godly living, all scripture. When I'm teaching on service, all scripture. Don't see it in one light. All scripture. When I'm talking about relationship, marriage, and how to have sex and enjoy it, and you are all excited. When I'm talking about going for evangelism, working, doing things for God, and serving God, and giving, 
be excited like that. Other than that, you don't know the meaning of all scripture. Am I communicating? When you do that, you don't know the meaning. All scripture is given by the inspiration for God. And all scripture is profitable. And he tells you, scripture is profitable for what? For reproof. Somebody say reproof. For teaching. Teaching. For reproof. For correction. For training. So you are trained. You see, there's a treasure in you. The Bible said we have this treasure in 18 verses. That the excellency of the power might be of God and not of man. There's treasure. Somebody say there's treasure in me. Now, let me tell you, the thing that brings the treasure out is training. If you are not trained, your treasure will turn into trash. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are not, your mind is not trained, your spirit is not trained to respond to the word of God. There's treasure in you and you will die like a trash. But that shall not be your destiny. He says, look at this. All scripture is given for all of that. When all of that is done, then so that the man of God, the woman of God may be adequate qualified for every good work. Why are you not qualified for every good work? You are not qualified for work of ministry. You are not qualified for works of service. You are not qualified for marriage. You are not qualified. The only qualification you have is that of medical practice. That is of pharmaceutical practice. That is of teaching. That's the qualification you have. But you, you lack a lot of spiritual qualification. Why? You are not humble enough to be trained by the word of God so that you can be equipped, you can be fully qualified and suited for what the master will have you do. Can somebody say an amen? amen? That's why we come to church. A humble person does not see himself as equal to his leader. When you meet a humble person, he doesn't see himself as equal to his leader. You go to an office and you meet somebody who sees himself as humble. You see the relationship between him and his boss. You know that this guy does not see himself equal to his leader. When you are humble, you don't see yourself as equal to your leader. You don't don't. Humble people don't see themselves as equal to their leader. Jesus came to teach us. He was the epitome of humility. He taught us how to be humble. How did he do it? Philippians 2.6 Christ was truly God but he did not try to remain equal with God. Do you see that? Oh, please talk to me. Christ was what? Truly God, but he did not try to remain equal with God. You know, sometimes you can work in an office and your boss may be different from you in just, uh, sometimes your qualifications makes you way higher even than your boss. But I beg you, if you want to last, I beg you, if you want to be promoted, I beg you, if you want to experience lasting and true success, don't, don't go and flaunt that degree you have, that master's, and make your boss feel that you are in the position. But wait, we are coming. And when we come, you will see. We are, we are the ones with the proper qualification. We are the ones who have been trained. Watch it. You may never sit on that seat. Because he may not have your paper, but he has the influence. He may have the ear of the CEO. And one word into his ears will let you be rendered non-existence. Personal non grata. You will soon find out that he also knows many other people who are super competent than you. Who can replace him if he's not there. Am I communicating here? Humble yourself and stay in your place. Don't you say stay in your place? Don't think you are equal with your boss. Don't see yourself that you are equal with your God. No, 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 no. It's wrong. Jesus did not remain. Look at that. So you come to church, the same thing applies. He said, obey them who are your leaders in the church. So he establishes the fact that when we come to church, we are not on the same level. Just like when you go to work, you are not on the same level. Ah, my boss comes at eight. And me cry, me train, me boy, fifteen, You see, that is it. My boss comes late. Until what, what is the sense of going early? That's where you are. Where you are? 
Oh, my boss is leaving. I'm also leaving. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Somebody say, somebody is over me in the Lord. And I'm telling you, when we resume ourselves, which we are doing very soon, the people who have been appointed over you, if you cooperate with them, we cooperate with you. If you don't cooperate with them, we, we resign you out. Are you here with me? That's it. He said, know those who are ruling over you. First Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders who rule well, not the elders who suggest, not the elders who are co-equal. Let the elders who rule. And that rule is a military word that has a connotation of order. Gives obey before complain. That is the text there. The elders who rule, not the elders who are suggesting or trying to do a democratic administration. That's not what we do here. Hebrews 13, 7, remember those who rule over you. Can you see that? Who have spoken the word of God to you. Go, do a proper sit-down analysis of the Greek. You'll find the same thing. Hebrews 13 is the same thing. Listen, let me tell you something. One of the greatest lessons you must learn is that it's dangerous to put yourself on the equal platform with your leader. Praise the Lord. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. That's what brought Satan down. And that's what made Satan Satan. Do you remember? That's, that's what made Satan, Satan. He was created perfect until he be felt that his position was not good enough. He must assume. Oh, Galibra, if you like, read Isaiah 14, verse 13 to 14 is there. Isaiah, he said, for you have said in your heart. So this one, God had not, anyway, God could hear anything. So there are things people say in their hearts that informs their way of behavior. There are some people, they have said, they are on the same platform with their boss. And it's informing their behavior. That's how they think. He has said in his heart. You have said in your heart, I will exalt my throne. Can you see that? I will what? Exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. Ah, above the stars of God, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Verse 14. Let's read it together. Go. He said, I will ascend above the height of the cloud. I will be like the... I will be like the Mosai. Husband, wife, 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 wife. Hear me. Why are you struggling to be like your husband? Why are you struggling? You are something else. I don't want to describe it. I have always told women, if your husband insults you, at least, if you were not raised well not to insult your elder brothers, because your husband must be your elder brother. If you are not raised well, Think about scripture and not do it. Am I communicating here? He may have insulted you, but number one, we are not in a, a generation of uh, an eye for an eye. So that's one. So you don't do that. Number two, your husband is your big brother. Even, even though he sometimes he, you may even be older than him, but see him as such because your brother in Christ. Am I communicating here? And I will not dare insult my big brother. We had a meeting recently and so one of my younger brothers was talking rubbish and I had to come in and shout him and say, listen, you don't talk to our big brother like this. Am I communicating here? You don't do that. And then, again, I'm giving you reasons why. No matter the provocation, woman, restrain yourself. And if you have been doing it after this service, I'm not condemning you. Go out and all apologize to your husband. Because that's the wrong way to behave in a home. Praise the Lord. Don't seek to usurp authority. One of the people God never spares are people who are always seeking to usurp authority. Divine order. Protocol. God is a God of order and he doesn't spare at all. 
There are women who are going through sicknesses in their matrimonial homes, suffering afflictions, and it's all because they don't allow their men to be the man. Am I communicating here? Allow him to lead. Pray for him. Give him your counsel. Don't force it on his neck. That is a Jezebel. A Jezebel forces himself on the neck of the husband. There are times wives can give you some counsel and the way they are acting, the way they use their moves to manipulate you, it's obvious that they are trying to force you to go a certain way. And if you don't go that way, one week, nobody is happy in the home. Everywhere is heated. You can see things. You can even feel it and see, sense it. Everywhere in the atmosphere. Women have the power to do that. When you do that, I'm telling you, God will not give you peace. You will be in trouble. You will see that things will not be working. Everything will be working against you. Watch it. I will be like the most I will be like the most I'm just teaching you how to stay in your lane. You are the wife. He is the head. You see, so I was saying that he's your big brother. He's also your head. Scripture has made him so. He didn't choose to be. God made him so. The husband is the head. The man was made for the, the woman was made for the man and not the opposite. That's what scripture says. That's what scripture says. Some things are hard to preach, but you need to hear them. You are never equal with your husband. Every woman should hear that and hear it well. Hear it very well. You are never equal with your husband. You are equal with any other male person, but you are not equal with your husband. You are equal with any other male human being. You are not equal with your husband. In the home, there must be order. When God came, he knew Eve was the first person to eat the, eat the fruit. But when he came, because he's a God of order and protocol, he didn't address Eve. He came to Adam. Adam, where are you? Why did you eat what you were not supposed to eat? Meanwhile, it was Eve that initiated everything. When Adam came to God and said, Lord, it's a woman you gave me. God was just laughing in his head. Look at this uh, dummy guy. He's telling me the woman. When you guys were doing it, was I not saying? I was standing. I knew everything that went on. But I am t I'm telling you to be responsible. Adam, if you had been responsible, Eve would not have led you into this mess. And men, I charge you to be responsible. I called a gentleman about a couple of weeks ago and I was telling him, listen, I said, be strong and bring order to your home. I told him, be strong and bring order to your home. You see, what, that's what Satan wants to do. And when he came to Adam, I was shocked, Pastor James, to see that it's the same thing he moved Adam and Eve to do. What He wanted to be like his leader. And when he came to Adam too, he wanted Adam and Eve to be like their leader. Look at Genesis 3 with me. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree, of the, of the tree, of, of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. But look at verse 5 with me. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like, you will be like, you will be like, you will be like, that's all. They wanted to be like their leader. That's where we are, where we are today. That's where we are here. Where we are. What, what was the secret of Miriam being, 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 becoming a leprous person? She, she felt that she was on the same power with her leader. You are a younger brother. You, in the ministry, you are a leader. But listen, we also want you to know that we are older than you. So when we speak, you must listen. Whether what you are speaking is scripture, whether you are, what you are speaking, he has a, a, a conviction as a leader about it. The Holy Spirit has spoken to me about it or not. You are forcing it. Listen, 
All associates need to understand this. All associates in ministry, all colleagues in ministry must always appreciate the place of leadership. Support leadership. Be loyal to leadership. But always understand that there is a gap between you and leadership. Understand that. Understand that very well. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. You are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.